What's up, fellow Zeros? Thank you for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that thinks we should have lunch some evening. I'm your host, Joe, and I brought along two bone saws to talk to you about the movie Spider-Man. We've got sequel. The podcast that trusts their barber. And Corey. The podcast that has barely tapped the vastness of human potential. Like I said, we're here to talk to you about the 2002 Spider-Man movie, the original... But first, we've been watching some other stuff that isn't Spider-Man related, and we'd like to let you know what that is, and I'm going to start with Corey. Jessica Jones came back, so I have been on the Jessica Jones wagon. Season numero dos. Season numero dos. It's difficult to say where I'm at as far as how I feel about it. I still like it. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but what I will say is that they're doing a really good job at conveying the human condition. So if you take take the superhero stuff out of it, the Marvel stuff out of it, just look at it as people dealing with things, be it trauma or alcoholism or a disease, like, they're doing a really good job at how people deal with that stuff. So the performances are spectacular. I'm just not, I just don't care about the, the main story that they're trying to tell. How many episodes you get in? Five. Four yeah. or five. How long is the season? Uh, tw- 10 or 12 episodes, I think. Probably. I haven't started yet. Yeah, I think it's 10 or 12, 12 episodes. Uh, it's just, yeah. Kilgrave was so badass. He, yeah, he was the reason I watched season one. Yeah, he was so badass that, like, I cared about the meta plot, or the meta-human plot, I should say. Whereas this one, we don't know who the bad guy is yet, and I just don't care. Five episodes in, or four episodes in, you don't know who the villain is? Yeah. With very, they're very that's, much... That's terrible. They're very much playing this like a detective thing. Like, Jessica Jones is trying to do detective work to figure out... Like, we know, like, the big bad evil corporation, but not who we're going after, that's if that makes sense. Interesting. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just it just highlights all the human condition stuff that I, that I was just saying. Um, we're going to talk about this a little later, so I'm just going to briefly say that I watched Sicario again. That's, oh, I watched Murder on the Orient Express. That's the one I really wanted to talk about. Oh, God damn it is bad. I love Kenneth Branagh, too. I really enjoy his work. He's my favorite Hamlet. He's by far my favorite Hamlet. I just like him a lot. I like the way that he acts. Usually, I hate that story. The movie portrays the story so bad that I want to go back and actually read the Agatha Christie book and see if it's just as bad. Or watch the original movie. That, too. But, like... You start to get, like, little, like, drops of hints. He's, like, he, like, figures out, like, that this person and this person are, know each other. And then the, like, climax happens, and you're, like, well, that's a fucking leap. Oh, you're right? Oh, good. Good. That's, I'm glad that any of that was explained at any point. That's, it like, was, Clue when you just take a shot when you think you're going to lose near the end. Yeah. It, it's totally what, it, it was, God... I thought you were going to say, like, Clue the movie. I was like, I'm going to fight you on this right now. <laughs> no sequel. No, no, like, in the actual game Clue, when yes. you're about to lose, you just take a shot in the dark. It's never happened to me, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> sequel always wins at Clue. You <laughs> heard it here first. <laughs> Challenge him. I dare you. I want that mobile app. Yeah. So you did, uh, did you... There's a Clue app. I hope there is. I just... I don't know if there is actually. Oh my god! We'll find out in a couple minutes. You just eliminated my productivity. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're getting a, you're getting a snow day soon. That's All right, right, I'm gonna tell you my stones now. And <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like it either, right? No, I hated it. Yeah, for the same reason. 
I had never seen the original. I've never read the book. So but what about like the like the me neither. I've never read the book nor have I seen the original movie. But that leap at the end when he gets them all and they. By the way, if you pause when they're all sitting in the tunnel, that is literally the Last Supper. Yes, like very obviously meant to look like the Last Supper. No, it's it's it was the obvious ending. I feel. I guess, but, and like, it, there's just nothing built to that. Right, not, nothing builds to it, but you can just kind of figure out that's where he's going with everything as soon as he assembles them all together. Like, yeah. he's not going to single one person out. Um, I thought the acting was terrible. Uh, I didn't care for the story at all. And it's just a letdown, because I was really excited for it. Yeah. Like, really, really excited yeah. for it. There was one moment of acting that I... La- and I don't know if it's good acting or if it's bad acting that I just fucking loved in the moment... But when he's interrogating Johnny Depp's assistant... Oh, God, who is it? Josh Gad. Josh Gad, yeah. When he's he's in, in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Huh. When he's interrogating him, and he can't come up with the word in English, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, what is the word in English? I triple check a lot. Fudge? <laughs> you have fun at the fudge! <laughs> I fucking... I damn near fell out of my seat. I, I was in the shop class watching it, and I damn near fell out of my seat. Yeah, that's where I watched it. I watched that's this dangerous. You're near saws. Yeah, it's fine. That movie is built up. Like I think uh, we got movie pass around like the when the previews were coming yeah. after this. I'm like, all right, this is a perfect movie pass movie. Then I saw it. I'm like, no, no. I, I mean, mean, I it think is it is a perfect, perfect movie, movie pass, pass movie. movie. Yeah, no, but like I don't know. I, I phrased that poorly. Mm-hmm. It is a perfect movie pass movie in the sense of hey, you didn't have to, you only had to pay a monthly fee for this, but. <laughs> Like I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that. Like I was excited for it. Yeah. I'm trying to say in a very poor way. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a letdown um, because when I was I was flipping through the the stack of movies that the teacher left for me to watch. I was in shop class. We're not allowed to touch any of the equipment. So he literally just has a pile of movies. He's like, pick a movie, make what him sit there and watch it. Bootleg? Like is no, no. He, he bought out and bought all these. Yeah, he's a movie buff. He just has movies. What's his name? Does he listen? <laughs> I'm actually. I, I did talk to him the other day. Oh, he should leave a business card in every DVD core. He there are a lot of comic book movies. That's good. A lot. I, right after I got done watching this, the next three or four classes all wanted to watch either the uh, Captain America: Civil War, Doctor Strange, or Guardians of the Galaxy. We watched all of them. It was a good week. Nice. Sounds like fun. Yeah. But I'm not going to talk about those. If you want to, if you want to hear my thoughts on those, go back and listen to the old episodes. Except Civil War. Don't listen to that one. No, no. Skip that one. And my opinion on Civil War in that time. Corey's very angry. <laughs> I was very angry. Is so that, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Cool. Sequel. What'd you watch? I know it's a bit of a list. Yeah, I was going to talk about two things, though. I sat down and finished, um, started and finished American Vandal on Netflix. Oh, how was that? I don't know what that is. Damn standing. Yeah. I loved it. So do you, um, have you seen Making a Murder? Uh, you've seen Making yeah. a Murder. Have you seen Making a Murder? I've heard of it. Alright, so it is a, almost a mockumentary Making a Murderer style, where a, um, student out of high school is being expelled for spray painting a bunch of dicks on the faculty car, and these two <laughs> aspiring filmmakers are making a documentary to try to prove his innocence. Yeah. And it starts out funny, but then it kind of gets like, you get wrapped up into it, and you kind of start to feel for the characters a little bit. Like it's it's really good. I I, I watched. I started it. And it was eight episodes. I think they're thirty minute episodes. I finished. Oh, I didn't realize it was episodic. I thought it was just a movie. No, it's episodic. Is I it a Netflix original? Netflix, yes. I finished That's it in like a day. Sounds and a half. right. 
And it was really good. I, I started it again. And I'm like kind of flipping around, just like my, my favorite parts, but it was uh, really well done. And they're making a season two. It comes out later this year. How about what you've been listening to? So That's not the question. We'll skip that. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, you listened to Up and Vanished? Yes. Have you listened to his new podcast, Atlanta Monster? No. Outstanding. It is... Uh, Ten episodes in length. Uh, the tenth one comes out this Friday. It'll, it'll, it'll be the finale. It's about the Atlanta child murderer from the early 80s. And there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, and he, he, he tackles it. He, he interviews the, the man in jail. He interviews all the FBI agents involved, and it's really, really well done. I just subscribed. Like, I cannot wait for it. Yeah, yeah, I just subscribed to it. It just happened. Yeah. Like last Friday, I was refreshing all day long to see if I could listen to it while I was yeah. at work, and they uploaded like six o'clock for some stupid reason. But it, it's outstanding. Have you um Have you tried diving into last podcast on the left at all? No. Okay. It's good. No, it, it's. <laughs> it, it's so it. don't. <laughs> no, it's 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 interesting to listen to, but it's it's hard to get into the groove. Once you get into the groove, you kind of get hooked on the on their style. But early on, it's it's tough to listen to because it's. Three guys kind of talking over each other, with one guy kind of just trying to like plow a train straight in, like like with all the information. What's that like? I, <laughs> I don't know, Joe. Why don't you tell me? Uh, I don't have enough time. <laughs> um, so the style's a little a little difficult, but once you kind of get into the style of it, it, it's cool. And they just do three, four, five part episodes on like different. Like serial killers, and it's it, they can be really interesting. So yeah, Atlanta Monster, I'm in. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of well, it's interesting. I should say it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a tough subject matter, but love that murder. <laughs> Joe, what have you been watching? That was it. That okay. was well. That's, I was going to talk about too. Fair enough. It's tough to remember. It's been a few weeks. I'm also going to talk about two things. Uh, I watched Sicario, as Corey mentioned earlier. We both watched it around the same time. It's just been a while since we recorded this, so... Yeah, now we're talking about it now. It was good. It's a, a movie that goods, uh, builds good tension. I don't really know the point of all of it. Like, Emily Blunt and Dana Kulia, I don't... They're just people, and it, they don't really have any actual bearing on the story that much. It has a purpose, though. I think they function as, like, our avatar in the movie. Like, normal people... Because, like, they, they don't play really a role at all. And he certainly doesn't. He, yeah, he definitely he does, doesn't. Well, yeah, he's just kind of her support, right? Yeah. But she she plays a pretty big function in the role. She's the, uh, without spoiling the movie, the legality of it. Yeah, I guess. But she's, like, there is, like, a technicality. She doesn't actually matter. Just her body being there is what's important. Is what is important. I don't think she's involved with the sequel at all. I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't looked at anything. I wouldn't doubt that because I don't see. I don't see, considering how disconjointed and misplaced her role was in this, I can't imagine that they're going to continue with that because, especially how this movie ends, I doubt she's going to be in the sequel. Yeah, why would she be in the sequel? But back to the actual movie. It's uh, I like Josh Brolin in it. He's fine. Benicio del Toro is really good in it. He's a his character is very intriguing. I looked forward the entire time to seeing what the hell was going to happen in this movie. So it was good. The movie opens up with a fucking awesome, awesome imagery. Like when they like they like puncture a hole in the wall and they like realize that there's like a body in there. A lot and, of bodies in there. And then well that's the thing, they like go outside, they come and then they pan back in and X amount of time has passed and they've ripped all of the walls off. 
the entire house is insulated with human bodies. Like, really, really vivid imagery, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, Sakara, not for the faint of heart. New. Would you classify that as an action movie? No. No. No? Thriller? There's... It's not any... Uh, thriller? I think it's a drama, basically. Yeah, I got It happens to have, like, a couple of fight scenes in it. Because okay. it's not... There's not a lot of action. There's two scenes. The gunplay is pretty uh, intense, I feel. Yeah. It could border on psychological thriller. There's a lot of... It's just a suspense movie. Like there's a lot of suspense, I mean, tension, yeah. and suspense built. It's good though. Check it out if you have Amazon Prime. It's available on there. And the other movie that I watched is I wanted to watch a baseball movie, so I watched The Natural. I've never seen it before with Robert Redford, aka Pierce from Winter Soldier. <laughs> People consider that the best baseball movie. I don't think it's the best baseball movie. It's it's good. But my main gripe with it was I feel like they wanted to introduce supernatural elements to it, and then once the editors got a hold of it, they were like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're cutting all this out. Because people just... Like, the woman who... I guess it's a spoiler, who shoots him. Harriet Bird. Yeah. She just vanishes as if she were some kind of ghost or the devil or something. Like, like in the scene. After she does it, she's gone. Like, she poof... She jumps out the window. Well, the way the movie's shot doesn't really show you that. She just leaves, and, like, the lights flicker when she's around, so you're like, is she the devil? What's going on here? And then the girl oh, yeah, later is like, is she the devil? I don't understand. Is she the same person? It's it's. I feel like they wanted to go an extra level with it, but they decided not to ultimately at the end. It's interesting. I have a few... Well, I have a major problem with that movie. Um, I've seen it a number of times. You should have picked child actors for teenage Glenn Close and teenage Robert Redford because they're both in their mid to it feels like they're in their mid to late forties and they're playing eighteen year olds. Yeah, doesn't work at all. They did do a fairly good job for like the time of making them look younger. And how interesting that you bring that point up during such an episode. Yeah, true. We will talk about that. Yes, we will. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm saving it for the podcast is what I'm doing. uh, I don't know. Old bad Roy Hobbs, or I guess a 36-year-old Roy Hobbs compared to 18-year-old Roy Hobbs looks exactly the same to me. He looks a little hardened by life, but I don't know, man. (laughs) He doesn't have, like, the wrinkles in his face when he's 18. Like, he, he does look younger. Like, they definitely added an extra layer of makeup. To Robert Redford to make him look younger. I don't think he's 18. He's a full-grown man at that point, <laughs> but, like, he does look younger. I like that movie a lot. It was good. Yeah. I like the, the music in that movie. Especially when he, when he hits the... When he breaks the clock and then he busts the lights. Yeah. Like, that epic music. Every time he's about to succeed, they use the same music. But it's, it's how I know he's going to succeed, because they start playing the music. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to hit a home run now. I hate the Boston Red Sox, but a cool moment in baseball history when David Ortiz hit his 50th home run of the, uh, the season as a Red Sox, they play that music as he's rounding the Oh, really? Season. Yeah, that's, that's a cool. very cool That touch. is cool. That's cool. Yeah. And that's what we've been watching. Joe, did we get any emails? We did, as a matter of fact. Yes. Two emails. One of them's from Frank, though. So yeah, we're going to get to that bad. later about Spider-Man. But we got our, an email from our pal, Mr. Urkham. boy, Urkham. Mr. Urkham writes, Dear Zeros, I watched Black Panther and it was awesome, but there was one issue that held it back from being truly amazing. It wasn't the visuals or the script, both were excellent. It wasn't the actors, they were fantastic. Especially Letitia Wright, who I now have a massive crush on. The real reason is why I write you. 
and it's perhaps the crack in the pavement that we all just tend to ignore as we rake in an embarrassment of riches. As I was watching Andy Circus leave bite marks in the scenery, I heard myself think, how long are we going to keep doing this shit? This really can't last forever. It was a pop-up thought I did not control, just floated in, Im- in unbidden, and just like that I had a giant doomsday clock on my head. How long until superhero movies end? Had Black Panther come out in 2008, it would have been tied with The Dark Knight for superhero GOAT, G-O-A-T. Greatest of all time. GOAT. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to call it. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, but shit, man, we've been doing this dance for so long. 18 damn movies, 19 seasons of shows, and that's just Marvel. You know DC is going to keep beating their dead horse until it bleeds dust and quarterly losses. (laughs) Justice League was the lowest grossing one so far. Uh, ten years is a long time for any fad. Boy bands and new metal lasted three. Tamagotchi lasted two. Pokemon Go was in and out in less than one. Guys don't play Pokemon Go. Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> ten years is a really good run. Fuck, that's longer than my parents' marriage. My oh. point is... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I just did not see that one coming. Mr. Urkham Deep Cuts. Whew. My point is, all things fail. Rome fell. Starter Jackets fell. The Zune fell. I love Starter Jackets. Good pull. <laughs> this, is, this email's incredible. It's, yeah, good work so far. How much longer until superhero movies go the way of the Pauly Shore? <laughs> wow! What the fuck? This is awesome! Hey, buddy. <laughs> Squeezing the jits. Weasel. Just something, just something you think you heard about in New Ones was a really big deal, but probably couldn't recognize her on police lineup. Mr. Urkham. And then he has a PS I'm supposed to read after we discuss this. So how long do we think superhero movies are going to last for? Or how long until they end? It, and, uh, until they stop making money? It, it's, it's a hard thing to, to guesstimate. That's that's like the... Is it qual- the qualitative answer is when they stop moving money? Like the vague answer, I guess? When I mean, they stop making money? Because, I mean, that's what I, movies do. The other The other side of the coin is that before this fad exploded, before we got MCU and the much less like DCEU, before we had those, we still had superhero movies. They've been around forever. There are a fair number of superhero movies. Yeah, I mean, just go back and look look at our log. Not all of them are MCU movies by any stretch. You know... where are the Dark Mans and the Condor Mans? We're going to get to that one. Yeah, but but even the big one hundred. Yeah, even the <laughs> even the biggies, Batman, Superman, like they they existed beforehand and they're going to exist after. Will they go away permanently? No. Will they be what everybody clamors for? Probably not. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Avengers Four, also known as Infinity Wars Parts Two, comes out and they take an extended break before they start releasing more movies. I'd definitely be okay with that, because I'm experiencing MCU fatigue, for sure. Money's the obvious answer. Uh, what's unique about this is, I feel with movies nowadays, it's tough to come up with original ideas, but with superhero movies and comic book movies in general, you've got, like, you've got built decades of source material with so many plot lines, so many stories, they can do so much with it. So as long as people are willing to shell out the bucks... And they are. They're, they're going to exist. And it's really, it's a movie for people of all ages, too. I mean, there's MCU movies you can take an eight-year-old to, and we're seeing it, and we're in our 30s, or close to it. So it's... Yeah, I think that that, that last point is, is really what's important there, is that you could take... 
for the most part, minus a few little things that are going to go right over their heads anyways, you could take an eight-year-old to almost every one of these movies. Like, think about the most crude thing that I can think of off the top of my head in an MCU movie is when Star-Lord says it would look like a Jackson Pollock in here if it was, if he had a black light. Right. Like, that's about the, the crudest that we get. Like, And no kid's going to get that. No, no kid's going to get that. They're not even going to ask the question. No. They might ask Jackson, Jackson Pollock. Pollock. That, that'd be it. And then you would, the guy would be, be like, like a painter. Shh, watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you could even say a painter. It wouldn't mean a damn thing. It wouldn't matter. So, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. My guess is we got like five more strong up to five strong years. And then they kind of just fade back into the background like they were before 2008, yeah. before the MCU hit. What's so unique what the about the is? MCU, though, is the willingness for the actors to keep doing it. I know people are motivated by the almighty dollar, but, like, I don't know. Some people have, like, are dedicated to their craft, and, like, maybe this... Chris Evans just doesn't feel like being Captain America anymore. Robert Downey Jr. doesn't feel like being Iron Man anymore. And... They're the two biggest draws, in my opinion. So if they stop doing it, how much of a product are you going to have? The other thing is, I mean, beyond just the wanting to stop, you have to also consider the capability. You're not going to look like a mid, like an early 30s Robert Downey Jr. first learning to build an Iron Man suit in a couple of years. He's getting up there in age. Chris Evans is not going to be able to continue to look the way that Chris Evans looks. He's ageless, Joe. I know. I get it. I didn't even object to that. <laughs> <laughs> I just know how much you love Cat. Oh, I do love Cat and Chris. Yeah. So, like, you know, these people are not going to be young forever, and I think they know that. I think what's going to be the most telling about how long this this uh, trend is going to be around is if after like Infinity War, if they reboot and recast and they still continue to make as much money as they do now, then I think it might be here to stay. Like, it might be here for an extended amount of time. Yeah, that's right. But if it doesn't land as well as it did before, when they have to ultimately recast this, if they want to reboot it, then, yeah, it'll be near the end. The question, I guess, ultimately is, did they blow their load on this MCU, taking all of the big names into account, and, like, if they want to recast and reshoot it, they're going to have to go to, like, secondary people that we don't give a fuck about, but... At that same point, I never gave a fuck about Ant-Man, but now Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, and I'm like, I, I'm, I can't wait I can't wait for Ant-Man and the Wasp. At, at some point, I, I, I mean, we're just strictly talking about the MCU, because they're the only ones that have their have it together. Yeah, they're the only ones that matter in this conversation right now. It's gonna, <laughs> Strong word. <laughs> it's going to end, like, with, the, with our current cast of characters, then they'll probably take a couple years off, and then they're going to reboot the whole damn thing again. At, with new people, though. And the response will judge how well that does. Yeah. And if they want to cash out and say, fuck y'all, we made, like, five to ten billion dollars with these movies, yeah, later. It's going to be interesting, too. Like, how much influence do you think Stanley has? Not much Probably anymore. not that much. He's just a, he's just going to make appearances. At so, he's, so he's, he's a figurehead ine- taking, taking in royalty checks. So his inevitable passing, because he is up there in age. Yeah. And I believe they filmed a bunch of Stanley cameos. cameos just to, like everything that catches it. up to the MCU so far. Okay. That they have pla- they have planned out for the MCU. He all of his cameos are done for that exact reason. Yeah. So it probably won't have that much bearing on the uh, continuance. Mm-hmm. A bigger name is like Kevin Feige. Feige. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, his name. I Feige. think it's Feige. Feige. I, Feige. I don't. I've never. I can pick him out of the lineup, but I'm yeah, pretty sure. He but he not. he's kind of the decision maker. At least he's one of the principal ones for this. So he has a lot more bearing than Stanley does. Yeah, okay. 
So yeah, that's that's what we think about superhero movies. Does anyone else? Quick side point. Yeah. Um, everybody saw that Black Panther did it, right? They crossed they crossed the threshold. Oh, they made a billion. Right? They made over yeah. a billion. They're at one point worldwide six worldwide one point one six billion worldwide, and it crushed the shit out of Tomb Raider this week. Of course it did. Yeah, Tomb Raider. But that's, what, that's and why. And it's been out for like five four, weeks now? Four or five weeks? Four or five weeks in, it's still rocking number one over a movie that potentially could have been the next big one? Which I, don't, I don't know if that had the chance to be the next it's big one. It's a video game movie. But at the very really least, don't. you figure Black Panther is going to start going down and Tomb Raider just by having happenstance and being a new movie would have... The big, the big test is this week, I feel. Okay. I think people are more jazzed up for Pacific Rim. Yeah. yeah. You know what Black Panther's doing? Black Panther's filling the Deadpool role. Yeah. Because nothing comes out this time of year. Quarter one movies, man. They're yeah. just not that good. So if you release a good blockbuster movie that people want to see, you will make bank in the first three, three months. four months of the year. I because nothing else is coming out. Logan was quarter one. Logan was quarter one? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Came out. Yeah, it was. Right? Yeah, it was March. March. Yep. I think Get Out came out quarter one, too. Very rarely does a quarter one movie come out and blow people away. But it has happened. And the other part of the email, which is completely unrelated, well, not completely unrelated, but a lot unrelated, P.S. Also, collectively, go fuck yourselves for the internship. That dumpster fire of a movie that felt like Google removed ribs to suck its own dick. Guess what, <laughs> Google? We already thought you were cool. Did you really need a propaganda comedy to tell the world how awesome you are? Yes, there were laughs, but it felt like a paint-by-number self-flagellation. Wedding crashes brought back the raunchy comedy and made a bunch of money. The internship felt like seeing Guns N' Roses in, in 2018. It's not the Ooh. same. It's been done better before, and seeing it try is kind of sad. Like an old man wearing a chain wallet. <laughs> <laughs> you fucks are a movie review podcast. How am I supposed <laughs> to trust you dipshits when you give the internship a goddamn gauntlet? <laughs> Call it? Oh well, no, we, we in, didn't. In jest, maybe like. I don't think <laughs> no, would be giving it a And then say the shape of water was just okay. Get your shit together, ZTH. <laughs> Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit, so it's together. And if you gotta take it somewhere, take it somewhere. You know, take it to the shit store and sell it, or put it in the shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just gotta get together. Get your shit together. Also, I shouldn't mix email and Irish whiskey. I still love you, dipshits. <laughs> All right, first of all, deep cuts. First of all, every time we've brought up the internship, we have made at least one of those critiques every time. I know I do. It is Wedding Crashers rehashed. Nobody's arguing that. It is not Citizen Kane. We we don't think it's a great movie. We just think it's a real fun movie. Guilty yeah. pleasure. Yeah. We acknowledge it's not a good movie. 100%. We enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Shape of Water, critically, technically, acting ability... Blows it out of the water. I'm not. It's just not for me. Sorry. I still think Shape of Water was really good. Okay. It was my second choice to win Best Picture this year. I picked it to win Best Picture this year. But I mean, like, like in you my know, heart, you won the it was my second choice. I all right. Then I would have had it in my top five of those that are nominated. But there are nine movies nominated. It would have been your top five. Yeah, I'm not the biggest. Not a, that I, means five. That means five. <laughs> in my head, like, all right. I liked I liked uh, Darkest Hour better. Okay. I like Get Out better, and I like Three Billboards better, so four. Hmm. Fair enough. And I like The Post, but this was better. The Shape of Water is better than The Post. Yes, I can acknowledge that. And nobody's suggesting that the internship should have been nominated for Best Picture that year. Like Nobody's saying that. No. Let's make sure that's clear. Original screenplay. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Best supporting actor. 
I don't even know who you would nominate for I, that one. Best Supporting Actor, Vince Vaughn. Best Supporting Actor, Josh Gad. Best Supporting Actor. Josh Gad? Oh, Josh Gad is in there, yeah. right? That's right. He's the one, he's like the main, he's the, the, the head the of search. He's the social guy. Yeah. yeah, the head of search. Somehow we started talking about the internship again. Let's, uh, let's not. <laughs> so thanks, Mr. Urkham. If you want to be like Mr. Urkham and send us thought-provoking questions and then kind of yell at us a little bit. You as can, is your right. As is your right as a listener. You can send those into zthpodcast at gmail.com, and if it's fun and not super long, it'll get read on this. Not like, this episode. I feel like I have to step my game up now. And without further ado, that's our email segment. Let's get into the movie facts, finally, for Spider-Man. It's only been about a half hour. Dish. Spider-Man, 2002 joint. Came rated PG-13, and it's two hours and one minute long. This director is no stranger to us, Sam Raimi, who has also directed this long list I keep seeming to have to read. The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Dark Man, Army of Darkness, The Quick and the Dead, A Simple Plan, For Love of the Game, The Gift, Drag Me to Hell, and Oz the Great and Powerful. Is that the one with James Franco? That is the one with James Franco. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> yes. At this point, it's a bit. It is. I was curious to see if it was going to continue or not. Quite a range. Uh, you left such a pause, I could not say it. I wasn't going was, to, but you left the pause. I was that's like, the point. Every time you read the list, I just think of For Love of the Game and how much I like that movie. I've never seen it. You'd enjoy it. I'll take your word for it. I'll check it out. This movie, this movie, however, stars Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Cliff Robertson, Rosemary Harris, J.K. Simmons, and Joe Mangan... <sighs> Joe Manganiello. Manganiello. Who loves Dungeons and Dragons, by the way? This movie was budgeted at $139 million, and it ended up grossing $821 million. $403 million of that was domestic, which was huge at the time. This was, I believe, the biggest opening, or one of the biggest, right, at the time? It made a buttload of money. Let's see what the critics thought of it, though, with the scores. We got Rotten Tomatoes coming in at 89%. Certified fresh. Looked like you didn't know what to do there. I didn't think it'd be that high. The audience, uh... Doesn't really agree with that number. Coming in at 67%. IMDb has it at 7.3 out of 10. And Metacritic has it at a weirdly similar 73. With a user score of 8.6. The only other fact I have for the movie was it was nominated for two Oscars. It was nominated for sound and visual effects. It did not win. Shocking. Let's go to our general spoiler-free thoughts as always. For the movie Spider-Man. And I will say... Sequel. Go ahead. This movie gets credit for being the modern-day superhero movie. It came out seven years before the MCU started. Six. Six? 2007 started? No, it's 2002. 2002. 2008 started. Six years. Okay. Six, seven years. Roughly six or seven years before. <laughs> A number of years. Compared to what we had before this. I th- did X-Men come out first? I think it did. X-Men's 2000, I think. Okay. We had X-Men, which was good, and a bunch of crappy Batman movies in the 90s. Like, what... Crappy... Well, Batman 89, and what was Returns, 92, people seemed to like those two. Forever and Robin. Those were Batman and Robin were were, were not good at all. So I'm going to say a bunch of crappy Batman movies, and I'm going to stick by it. Because those were were late 90s, you know, they're closer to... Closer to this, got it. Okay. Spider-Man was like 25 years in the making. We never had a Spider-Man movie. No one attempted it. We had a... The Batman movies, we had Super uh, Superman, and um, pretty much it, with the exception of the one X-Men, X-Men movie. Um, I get why people like it so much. It doesn't hold up at all, though. It really doesn't. For for Iron Man being so, like, 
technically unbelievable, and this only coming out a few years prior to it, it it's kind of shocking in a way. Like, I don't know if there was a big technological jump in that time period, but um, this movie has a lot of issues. But I get why people like it so much, which we'll get into. I want to get into the scores when we when we first start talking about the movie. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't hold up. But it's weird because like if for the time it like felt right, you know. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but that's pretty much it. Corey, what do you got? I don't disagree that it, it definitely felt right at the time. I remember watch. I remember going to the theaters to see this in 2002. Same. I must have been a sophomore in high school, I guess. Maybe a freshman? Freshman or sophomore in high school? I think I graduated I was a freshman in high school. So I remember going to the movie and seeing it. I really liked it. Watching it now, it does not hold up. Um, it do, The thing, or I should say, certain things don't hold up. CGI, blue, like green screen, that stuff doesn't hold up. Plot-wise, I think this movie is actually okay, but I, like overall, like in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't hold up. Nostalgia, there's a nostalgia to it for me. Like, open it opens your eyes. It really does open your eyes to the possibility that would eventually become the MCU in a lot of ways. But I don't think I'll ever watch. There, there are other older comic book movies that I would much rather watch than this one. I agree with a lot of a lot of a lot of what you guys are saying. This movie doesn't hold up that well. I think this movie actually still looks pretty good. They did a lot of practical stuff. Yeah, they were on the early front of CGI, but there are a lot of things in this movie that I think don't look bad mm-hmm. in comparison to what we have today. There's a lot of shoddy filmmaking and a lot of poor decisions in this movie from a from a standpoint now where I've seen really good comic book movies be made, but this movie is still so fun. I actually, like, watching this again for the first time in God knows how long, I really enjoyed watching this movie. And I understand that it's bad. Or at least parts of it are bad. So it's like the internship. It's kind of, it's like the internship of comic movies, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) What a... (laughs) No, it was amazing at the time, and I think it was, uh, I just, I had a blast watching it. Like, I don't like re-watching 2 and 3. Yeah. I really still enjoyed myself watching this. That's fair. All right, I, I I differ for two anyway. That's fair. I we'll talk about two. Sure. Like yeah. Okay, so from here on out, we're going to be spoiling Spider Man. You've probably seen it already. You mean that movie that came out fourteen years ago? Sixteen years ago. Shit, it's two thousand eight. <laughs> Sixteen years. Ago? Jesus Christ! We're having trouble with years. There's yeah, wait, 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 wait. Basic man. Juniors in high school were being born when this movie came out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, juniors in high school are about 16. Holy... I'm going to have a drink. Let's do it. Spoilers, go. I want to talk about the score. The audience score. Okay. Right? Because the audience score can change. Like, because uh, the critics are done at, at that point, right? Some and, people still review this movie, like, as critics. I know, but few. Right? I know more people audience and do, for sure. They've yes. rebooted the franchise twice since then. And this is, you know, comparatively, the tone's different... They went with older actors for high school students, which is we're going to get into. It's That's it's amazing. It's cheesy. It's corny. Some people like it. Some people don't. I could see. I bet you that audience score, if you track it, has gone down significantly. Yeah. Over the last sixteen years, I'm I would. Sure. I would. I would venture a guess that they were probably not necessarily the same, but probably much closer. One when the movie originally came out, if Rotten Tomatoes was even around at the time, I don't know. Probably not. But it's it's a 
they they can composite like film reviewers. Like um, you can find original reviews for Star Wars. Yeah. Let's talk about the casting. Let's get into it now. Yeah, because it's, it's it's obviously one of the bigger issues with this movie is that but who do we want to talk about who just just the overarching concept of the choice that was putting Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire, and frankly Joe Manganiello in a high school set and James Franco in a in a high school. Setting. I have a note that kind of sums up this whole point. I think perfectly. Okay, when they're on the field trip, the teacher is the same age as the students. Yes. That's awful. Yeah. I, it, it, I, ne- you know what the weird thing is? As a kid, I never noticed it. Same. But this watch through, when that guy comes up and like grabs James Franco and is like, you were talking during that woman's entire presentation. presentation. I was like, y'all look identical. The only reason James Franco looks, and I'm doing air quotes here, young is because he had like frosted tips. His hair was a little dyed. Yeah, that that's like in Thirty Rock when they send Steve Buscemi into high school <laughs> in a famous GIF. How's it going, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. Or how do you do? Yeah, how do you do, fellow children? It's like the nine hundred two one zero effect. Those kids are way too old to be yeah. high school students as well. They just, I don't know. Yeah, you know what it is? Like in two thousand and two, how many good child teenage actors were there? Right? They they have to they have to go on the young side, but they have to have. Good actors. They were trying. They were trying to make a good. I'm trying to think. That's a good question. Like I'm trying to think of like a teen movie that came out around that time. I don't know any. I'm drawing a blank. Not another teen movie. Young Chris (laughs) Evans. Jonathan Taylor (sighs) Thomas is Spider-Man. I don't. don't, He's probably too old for that. that Yeah, he probably was. He was probably around the same age as Tom Maguire, wouldn't he? I I would agree with that. Maybe looked a little bit younger. Maybe a little bit. They were about the same age as we are. Yeah. That being said, they did. They did fine. It's just hard to believe them in the in the moments, except for Kirsten Dunst for some reason. I feel like she's the only one I could I could be like, all right, let her play a senior. It's fine. Well, yeah, but she also did Bring It On, so like I feel yeah, it's that that might be part of it. She played an older high school student in that as well. That's just so. her range. She it's, plays the high school student that got left back a couple of times. I, what was Tobey Maguire in before Spider Man? Can anyone think of something? Nothing really, nothing, right? It kind of came out of nowhere. I, mean, I can look it up. Sea Biscuit was after it. Reading the Wikipedia article for this, I was reading some of the critic reviews on there, and somebody said uh, I was highly critical of the choice of Tobey Maguire for Spider Man, but after seeing him for a couple of minutes, it's hard to imagine anyone else playing that role. And this is kind of funny because we've had two since then, both better. I don't know, man. I mean, we could have this debate. I know I'm in the minority on this show with it. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna make my case right now if we're gonna have this discussion. I think better Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. Yes, Andrew Garfield's better Spider Man. And the better both yeah. sides of it is... Tobey Maguire has the sad sack personality that doesn't fit Spider-Man character at all when he's Spider-Man. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing, but we yeah. have a third Spider-Man I'm now. I'm not talking about Tom no, Holland. No, because he's... Tom he's Holland's practically perfect. Because he's actually age-appropriate. Yeah, we're yeah. not counting him. Oh, so now, we're, this, now the, we're bringing it down to The debate is Toby versus Andrew. That was oh, the debate for years prior, yeah. prior Okay, to okay so now if we're talking about those... Plus, I can't. It's you got two Sony movies and then the MCU aspect of it. Yeah. So the MCU yeah. does. They did a better job yes. with it mm-hmm. for sure. I but I would say Tobey Maguire is a far better Peter Parker, and Andrew Garfield is a little bit better as Spider Man. I think he's a way better Spider Man. I don't know when I, he's Spider Man in the movies. I just understand. Like I get it. Like he's he's witty and he's. Mm-hmm. 
Tobey Maguire is just like, oh, I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't, but that's, that's the corny campiness of the movie. It fits the tone. I get it, but but that's like... But I hate that tone, then. Like, I, still, all right, fine. That's still Peter Fair. Parker just yeah. swinging around. When he's becomes Spider-Man, he takes on like this whole self-confidence thing and... And the mask it becomes like a be different person when he's Spider Man. And the one, and the one, and we covered the movie, which is the one time that they tried to do that, and he was a pompous douche, and he kissed a girl on stage with his girlfriend sit, standing there. Yeah, let's not talk about that movie. Let's yeah. let's focus on this. We have each other. I'm just saying, like that's inevitable. It's gonna come up. Yeah. But my but my point remains the same. The one time that I feel like he was trying to be that super self confident Spider Man was in the worst of them. Nevertheless, moving past. Well, no, that's not a super self-confident Spider-Man. That's a super self-confident Peter Parker. Okay, that's yeah. the problem you have with it. Is Peter Parker's not like that? Peter Parker's definitely not like that, right? Ah, oh, that's true. Because he's like everything was looking up for good old Peter Parker. Everything's coming up, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Will- Willem Dafoe. I love his over-the-top performance. I, I think he overacts so much. Yeah, but it's perfect but it's for his character. That's, that's fair. I'm just yeah, I, yeah. He overacts a lot. Um, like he's written so off the wall, insane. And I feel like he's outstanding. And I feel like he looked at the script and was like, "I am going to fuck with this. I'm going to hand this the fuck up." It's it's almost a reverse um, Bill Murray in Ghostbusters, where Bill Murray was purposefully like dry and, like, not giving a shit about his lines and breaking the fourth wall the entire time because he doesn't want to do the movie. Willem Dafoe is in this, like, I am going to make you a fool for casting me in this. And I love it. I really enjoy it anyways. Especially when he's, like, down on his knees staring at, like, the Green Goblin mask that he's hung on, like, the armchair, like, what do I do? I loved it. Loved it. I love him as Goblin. I love him as Mr. Osborne, especially when Aunt May slaps his hand for going to the sweet potato casserole. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you go get it? <laughs> I do. Have, I do have some major problems with that scene, though. All right, but also this, like this jumping ahead a lot. The scene where she's um, praying. Finish it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so over the top. Yeah. Him and uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. The two best over-the-top performances. The, the two most over-the-top performances, but probably the two best performances in the movie. I think J.K. Simmons is really over-the-top. I think it's just exactly how that character needs to be played. Yeah, I think he He's an over-the-top character. Yeah. yeah, but I think he played J. Jonas... Like, at no point do I think J.K. Simmons is really hamming this up. At um, a couple of different points, I feel like Willem Dafoe yeah, is. Yeah, uh, I, I think J.K. Simmons is hamming up a little bit. No? I think it's just before that character was written. Like I think it's, they just they did a good job with that part, and he really you know gave it his all. Seeing him in other roles, he's almost unrecognizable. He's a chameleon. Yeah, <laughs> blends into whatever role he needs to be yeah. in. He's very good. He um in this specifically, I think the way that J. Jonah Jameson is written in the comic books, even going back that far, is that kind of like. 1940s, 1950s newspaper editor boss guy, big cigar in his mouth. I'll tell you what you gotta do, kid. You gotta do this. Mercy. Yeah. Like that type of... He's like an anachronism. Like, yeah. Years later. Exactly. Decades later. And now he's on film and that's how he plays the role and I just, I believe it. I believe it so much more than I believe a bunch of the other things in this movie. That's just how I I mean... I, I fucking love J.K. Simmons in this role. When he's really first good. looking at Peter's photos, he's like, crap! Yeah, <laughs> crap, crap, super crap. Give me $200 for a lot of them. 
<laughs> well, we don't have anything else. I'll give you two hundred dollars. <laughs> no. All right, fine. Three hundred dollars freelance fee. You don't get a job. Like you're a, freelance. I'd like a job, sir. No, freelance. <laughs> it's great for a kid like you. But I never said you were an employee. And then and then he goes out and gives Elizabeth Banks the slip. And Welcome to the Daily View. Because that's exactly what it is. Thanks, I'm a photographer. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There's Okay, so this actually brings up something I noticed in this watch through. I don't want to know if anybody else noticed it. There are two different penis jokes that they make in this movie, and that's one of them. Okay, so the first one, he wakes up after he gets bit by the spider. And he looks down, he's like, Big change. You. When I first saw it, I, I thought he was talking about like his muscles and his six pack. I got that impression from this time watching it too, because I was surprised he didn't look down his pants to do a parts check. You. I. I you don't see what his arms are doing. Yeah, I. Think I, didn't, I didn't get that at all. He. Look, I, I think he's doing a parts check and says big change, and then in that scene he's got the camera sitting there, and she like looks at the camera and looks up at him. And is like I can tell. It's like two separate little penis jokes in there. Corey, I don't get penis joke. I, I, those I get, dude, are you not seeing where the camera is sitting on his body? He's standing. It's on a lanyard around his neck. It's about stomach high. Uh, no, 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 no. It is not stomach high. It is down by his belly button. That's, That's stomach where high. My, where, my, where my stomach is. I don't know. At belly button, you might as well be penis we are, high. We are clearly in two camps here. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I'm just telling you, I think it was a penis show. Way in ZTHpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, or find us on Twitter at ZTHpodcast. I gotta rewatch this again. I'm just saying. I don't particularly love the choices, some of the specific choices that they made in the making of this Spider-Man. And I guess the big one that everybody always talks about is the web slingers, right? He just has them. Zero issue with that. Really? Same. Okay. Zero issue. He's mutating. He got bit by a fucking... Now he has the things that the spiders have that produce web. Then he should be farting out webs, not shooting them out of his wrist. That's harder to animate. Yes, it is. <laughs> Ed, inappropriate. You, I'm, I'm just telling you that's how you spiders do it. You have a hole in his pants. <laughs> yeah, it's a waste of time. All right. Again, I don't have an issue with it. Okay. I understand people's issue with it. It's just—it was just—it was just an interesting it. choice, I guess. And I just don't see—I don't see the utility of the choice. I think that's where I'm at. I do. What's the utility of the choice then? He doesn't. You don't have to waste time with him making the web shooters. All right, that's fair. This I movie's guess. already two hours long. Oh God, it is a it is a long one. It's funny. Two hours is long back then. It's kind of standard now. It is. It felt a little If this movie was longer, I wouldn't like it as much as I do. I hate the last part of this movie. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will. So, what else do we have? I mean, so they genetically modify the spider to be the three different types of spiders. Is that is that the basic plot that, they're, that we're going off of with this one? The precognition spider, the web spider, and the leaping spider, right? Just the one spider, I thought. No, 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 no. But they, she talks about three spiders. She talks about three spiders, and they said, and then she says that they genetically modified to create these fifteen. Oh, yeah. Okay, then, then fourteen. Yeah, yeah well, one missing. <laughs> up there. It's in this room. <laughs> and then it bit Peter Parker. Yeah, and it instantly affected the DNA s- scan that was on the thirty-five-inch monitors that was surrounding everybody. Nobody noticed. I guess that was like a visual effect. When when uh, Peter gets bit, there's like monitors everywhere, and there's like a animated DNA strand that like just starts like going berserk. That was probably oh. the slide of how they made the spiders. Yeah, but it just happens to also. It just coincided with him being yeah. bit because, because you know convenient visual cues. 
There is a there. I have a problem um, when he's doing the photo shoot with Mary Jane. Okay, again, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but it bothered me when I was watching. The it. photo shoot, yeah, it's terrible. Is it another penis then? No, no, not at all. But <laughs> he zoomed in on her penis. Corey, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they turned the screen. They turned the screen into what would be like the lens, like the the point of view shot from the camera. You're yeah. About? Okay. But she's not looking at the camera anymore. She's still looking. At where we assume Peter is. Isn't he behind the camera? Yeah. So she should be looking directly through the camera. She should be looking at us. Well, she's she's not. Cool. She's looking to the side. No, but she's acting like she's looking at the camera. It's, 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 a, it's again, stupid choice. Maybe she's just trying to look natural. I don't know. She's not looking natural by doing this. This movie... And the camera's coming uh, in this way. By doing that, he did a... Never mind. No, we, can't, we can't explain that. <laughs> Break the fourth wall. You, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna make that choice, where you're gonna turn the the, the picture we see into the lens, the the sight, break the fourth wall. It is okay for Mary Jane to break the fourth wall in that moment. She has to be looking at us. If she's not looking at us, then we're then the illusion's wrong because we're supposed to be Peter Parker looking through the camera, and she's not looking at Peter Parker at the camera. Like it, it, it just it's dissonance that I didn't like. So it's a, it was a dumb choice. Fair enough. Thank you. You got it. Yeah. How do we feel about old, old, old Uncle Ben and ancient Aunt May? <laughs> don't love them. That's that's right up there with making the uh, high schoolers it's, it's, real old. I guess we're in a reality where... They age don't. everyone except <laughs> teachers a lot. The weird thing is, when I whenever I think Uncle Ben and Aunt May, I do think old people. I, I've always thought... But it's his dad's brother. He should I be guess, his dad's age, and he's yes, in high school. You're, you're absolutely right. And it just—it was just never something that. Like they should be like in their fifties. Yeah, they're like, like seventy. Oh yeah, no, you're you're one hundred percent correct. Yeah, Ben and Grandpa May, Great Aunt May. Yeah, like oh, that's exactly it. Like it, it's to the point where it shouldn't be Uncle Ben; it should just be Grandma and Grandpa. But or Great Uncle, Grandpa Ben, Grunkle, Grunkle Ben, Grunkle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole crux of this movie happens. He goes in and fights in an underground wrestling ring. Which is probably the greatest part of this movie. Bones already. Bones already. Love Macho Man Randy Savage. I know. Uh, uh, can we talk about how flimsy and shitty that steel cage was? Well, that's such a fucking professional wrestling Can we talk cage? about that's the fact not... that they chose the cage match for the scrawniest kid that walked <laughs> in that door? <laughs> this would be you know this isn't a good idea, right? Like, you're gonna get hurt. That's fine. Also, Bruce Campbell gives spider Oh, yeah, Bruce man. Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's really lame, kid. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man. That's not my name. We're not gonna Shut up and go. Does anyone else want to see the movie where Peter Reigns is the wrestling champ? Because that would be amazing today. Where he just takes on all comers. I want that. I, want I mean, outstanding. that really should have been his play in that scenario. Like, all right, fine, give me the two hundred dollars. But now I'm the champion, and you're going to pay me three hundred three thousand dollars a night every night till I lose. And you just keep kicking the shit out of people. It's not how it works, kids. Freelance, you're <laughs> yeah. a freelance wrestler. God damn it, this world sucks. How does he get his? Um, maybe I missed it. Maybe I was on my phone at this point. He goes for his really shitty wrestling costume to like a full on awesome suit. It's not explained, right? As good as mine. Yeah. A montage scene happens, and he's suddenly in the good suit. I. It's a gradual thing. I. A few years go by since uh, the end of his high school career, and 
when he's like full on. Uh, is it really that yeah. long that this movie's supposed to be taking place over? Well, I, mean, I thought it was just like, it's got to be at least a year. I, I could see a year. I, yeah. I didn't think years. Like he graduates and then he lives in with Harry and yeah. He I know some things money happen. And he put all towards the suit. He says at one point, "I lost my job with Doctor Connor. I was late again." Isn't Doctor Connor in the second one? Yes, as his teacher. So that's. Well, I mean, it could have been still true. He's in the third one. I know he's definitely in the third one because he's on the phone with him. I think he doesn't get recommend, recommended. He might be to, in the uh, one. Alfred Molina's. Maybe. Also, completely unrelated thing. I just wanted the the butler from three. He makes a very small appearance in one, thus establishing the continuity that he is, in fact, the Osborne's butler. <laughs> so it sets, it was a long con. It set up that line in the third one with his terrible acting. It's kind of like Commissioner Gordon being in Batman 89 throughout mm-hmm. Batman and Robin's the same guy. Like, we had to, like, question that. Yeah. Because he's not that big a deal in those movies. He's not. He really isn't. Let's see. It's weird. Like, the middle of this movie, like, the, the big chunk of... Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things. There's a bunch of montage scenes, which kind of makes this movie questionably long. Montage with a lot of CGI, and at the time, the CGI was really cool, yeah. and I love the PlayStation games. I love swinging around the city with the web. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I think it still looks reasonably good. It does. It, it doesn't look... Do. It, looks oh, like a, it looks like a video game now, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you can see where they're doing. You can see where they're switching back and forth. But you know what? In five, six years, I might be able to go back to like mid MCU movies and be like, "Oh, I can see where they're switching back and forth with these," because it's a constantly evolving train. I can't hold it against it necessarily, but it's just it's it's seemingly obvious in this. Again, in interesting choice moments where you could have had him running across a, a like a rooftop, but instead you decided to put him in front of a green screen. You know what I mean? Like of all of the things that you chose to go practical with. Decided to green screen that? Uh, eh. They had money left over. They clearly they had, did. They had a big budget for the time. So fly them to New York and do it right. This movie did win a couple of awards. It won the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. It's probably the most famous scene in the movie, I would say. Yeah, yeah right? that's 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 called the Spider-Man kiss. People right? people know that. Yeah. So like I don't know, like watching, looking back on it now, it was like I don't know, fond memories for me, like. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, like they got it right. It holds up. People make fun of it nowadays, but like this was the one that like started it. So I enjoyed. I don't it. know why anybody would make fun of it. Like, it. Well, they made fun of it in a lot of movies. Yeah, oh, did they? Yeah. But it's it's of all of the things that this movie does that's questionable that I don't have any type of question about. That's exactly how Spider Man hangs out when he's talking to people, even when he's talking to like his arch nemesis. Before he gets into a fight, he's hanging upside down on a web, on like a single string web. That is totally 100% in his repertoire, if you will. So why, like, I, I like it. I, I still like that scene. I still like that moment. I think it's really corny, but I thought it at the time. I'm in that minority, but I don't have a problem with it. Like, it's not how I would have done it, but I get why they did it that way. It's, it's a very iconic scene, like we, like we said. I mean, and it certainly brings up the juxtaposition of between Peter Parker and Spider-Man, right? Like, Peter Parker will never have the confidence to go up to Mary Jane and be like, I love you, let me kiss you. But Spider-Man does. And Spider-Man saves him and saves her and gets the kiss. I know Peter's busy all the time being Spider-Man and all fighting crime, but he has a roommate 
with the girlfriend, and the girlfriend ha- this girl, the girlfriend happens to be like his childhood crush. It's kept it's it's a secret. For, like Carrie kept that a secret for such a long time. I just don't buy it. No, it doesn't it's, make any it's sense. It's not believable to me. Yeah, it doesn't well, really make I mean, sense. She probably never came over. Why? I don't know. Because he's rich. <laughs> but he's living in that. I shouldn't say he's living in that dive apartment because that apartment in Manhattan is probably like thousands upon thousands oh, of yeah. dollars. It's also month. kind of swank. It's also kind of like a swanky look. Yeah, the it, big the big sweeping door. The big staircase. It's like yeah. it's like. That went from being a, cool a piece of yeah. It went from being like a piece of shit type of apartment to like this is in now. Yeah, this is in now. Well, Peter's got his own room. How's Peter paying for it? He's not. No, oh, he's I mean not. maybe freelance. Yeah, freelance. Freelance. <laughs> Let's see how many, like if he provides picture a day at three hundred bucks a day, including Saturday, right? Three times six is eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred a week times four weeks is. Around six thousand, seventy-two hundred a month. You you could make that work. You could make that. You could be a freelance for the rest of your life at that point. Yeah, and seventy-two times twelve. Spider-Man is going to be the. Because think about like that. Seventy-two times twelve is almost eighty grand a year. Before taxes, I don't know what tax situation is for a freelancer. Is he cash only? Is he off the books? Is he? If he's off the books, now he's got to be on. He's probably ten ninety-nine. So he's a ten ninety-nine. He's a ten ninety-nine. He's a contractor. God damn it, we are old. We're talking about taxes on a comic book podcast. Kids, ask your parents. Oh, if we were 16 man. talking about this, we would not be broaching the subject at all. No. 16-year-old me would kick me in the dick right now. Right. I'll do it. 30-year-old okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joe would also kick me in the dick right now. <laughs> Dicks and penises with you today, I'm just telling you what I saw. You got a fixation, man. Uh, we didn't bring up the emotional twist that caused him to really become Spider-Man, which is Uncle Ben dying. Do we feel like broaching that topic at all, or is it kind of beaten like a dead horse? It happened, this this is the first time it happened, so it wasn't beaten to death yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fine. Right, but again, 2 and 3 killed the rewatchability of that that scene, because we see it so many times, and this is really... Remember, Peter... (laughs) I watching it this time. There's nothing that leads to. Uh, I, I hate. I hate. Hate that moment in three so much more now. Because there's at no point does is there like a dude. This is like I'm not getting in the car. Run, like I fucking. I hate it. I hate it so much. Well, I mean that's not, that's kind of a flashback of what he thinks happened. It's not like he was there. That's true. The only two people who were there are dead. A lot of murder in this movie. It's a decent amount. Yeah. Well, These guys got vaporized on the balcony. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, Goblin yeah. like, fucking Mars attacks. Yeah, he killed his whole board. <laughs> yeah, go- <laughs> Goblin kills a bunch of God, Goblin kills the guy who's testing out the new exoskeleton. Do you want one of the few redeeming characters in this movie? The one who's like, we can't do human testing. Pull the whole line. Like, he's just telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die for it. I know that actor from somewhere, and I can't remember who he is. Back to formula? <laughs> that, was, that was in a... That was in the running for one of my bets. The podcast has to go back, back to, to formula. formula. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. That was in the running. What's the problem, Mr. Jameson? You don't trust anybody. Trust my barber. <laughs> Alright, so we're not gonna... It's fine. Unless you really want to. No, no, there's no real reason to. I mean... Toby crying, I don't know. He, he sucks smile. at crying, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a bad crier. He's a bad crier. He's, he's also a pretty bad fighter in this, too. He's not great. He gets his ass... 
handed to him by Green Goblin at the end of this movie. He's still learning. Also Bonesaw. Bonesaw. I don't know why he doesn't stay up there. I would have. I guess technically he didn't know that he needed to survive the whole three minutes, but... That he did be... not pin Bonesaw either. The no, promoter but... has it wrong. Yeah, he, he, he knocked down out. for three seconds doesn't knock its ten seconds. Exactly. Get your WWE right. Well, get your underground wrestling right. <laughs> yeah. Same difference. Uh, so he doesn't get paid. The thief is the guy that ends up killing Uncle Ben. And he feels somewhat responsible. Because However, he let that guy go without catching him. But... Know. He took that guy out like it was nothing. I'm but just here's the part the... where that's my problem. I'm on Peter's side there. Like, I get at, like, afterwards, like, yeah, okay, bad shit happened to Uncle Ben because of it. But in that moment, there was no other option in that moment in time. I mean, there None. is, but that's why it's good, because that's a very human response. He was just slighted by that guy, and he's like, this I, is justice, this is karma for you. Yeah, I, if he takes the guy out, not only does Uncle Ben live, the promoter goes, huh, you know what, maybe I can use you, and we get our wrestling champion movie. Just say and I'm on, on, I'm completely down for that. <laughs> You're probably right, actually. <laughs> However, in that moment, yeah. he wasn't really thinking long term. And I mean, I think part of it is is the whole concept of this being in like Queens, like in New York. <laughs> Underground wrestling rings get robbed every day. <laughs> Not even that, but like, it's, but like New York is always thought of as like this hard. Rough and tumble city where it's like dog eat dog, killer be killed. I love the stereotypical accents they give all the New Yorkers too. Yeah, that's not hardcore. Yeah, not not even close though. That's the worst part. It's not entirely accurate, but I guess it's just all perception, right? It is. I do love those moments where like we're with you, Spider Man. (laughs) Yeah, that was a cool moment. That's my that's my favorite scene. That's your favorite scene when the when the when they come to his aid. I think that was your favorite scene in two. Also, when they like. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah with the train. Yeah, that's my favorite scene. I love the human moments like right. that when like he's also in in this moment in time like he's seeing nothing but bad headlines and that's what he's taking as far as like they're like what actual people are perceiving of him when in actuality that's not the case and like that's like the quantifying moment where it's no the city is actually with me. J. Jonah Jameson isn't. Yeah, to see them grateful for the hero that they've been given. Well, I, I it's nice. Just, like, overall, Spider-Man's very much, like, New York, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're New Yorkers. You, like, I don't want to say identify, but you're, like, I know you're supposed to root for him, but I kind of root for him harder because he's from New York. I don't know. I could see somebody rooting for Captain America a little harder because he's from New York. Well, that was a great moment in Civil War. Yeah, right? it was... The Queens-Brooklyn moment, yeah. right? Probably one of the best moments in that and movie. And this movie came out not too long after the, the 9-11 tragedy. They actually had a... Um, they had to edit out the Twin Towers in the movie. Right, because had, he had a web between the Twin Towers. And I think the p- first poster showed the skyline. Yeah. yeah. And you could see the Twin Towers in, in his uh, reflection. That's right. Yeah. It was one in each eye, right? I wonder if that poster's worth, worth like a lot of money. Now. There's, a, there's a shot of it on a screenshot of it. You can view it online. Yep, probably worth a couple bucks. My favorite scene... I There's a lot of over-the-top moments with, with Goblin, but I do like Goblin's death. You have a problem with it? I don't really have a problem with it. Or you don't like it? it at all? It's not that I don't like it. It's that, alright, I'm sorry to, to pull a Cory now, but he gets stabbed in the nuts by his glider. <laughs> <laughs> That's the height that that thing is at. And I'm like, what a way to go. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I just feel like that the character had. Did you just call it pull, pulling a quarry here? Yes. Okay, because yeah. talking about genitalia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking yeah, about genitalia yeah, from now on on ZTH is I'm sorry, pulling Corey. a quarry. It's okay. I love you, buddy. I really hope there's a penis in the Pacific Rim. <laughs> so in my notes, I can just write quarry. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Let's go okay. back to your serious point. No, it's just the fact I feel like that character had to go. He had to die. Yeah, no, he did. And the fact that Spider-Man isn't responsible for the death. I thought it was well done, well put together, and I think it kind of... He is and he isn't. He gets out of the way. That's, yeah. that's it. He would, I mean, what the butler says in part three is accurate. He, I treated your father's wounds. <laughs> they were made by his glider. Who <laughs> <laughs> in the nutsack you <laughs> I stitched it back oh, up myself. Man. That's me. That's a new meeting. <laughs> I unbuckled his pants and removed his trousers. <laughs> oh. No, because there's a lot of death in the movie, and I feel like the character had to die. I, I feel it was a logical choice to have him. And it was, there's, the look, there's no redeeming him, so yeah. Right. And the look of it was pretty cool. It's, it's a it's an acrobatic move. It's mm-hmm. it's a quick move. He, Peter's clearly um, outmatched by him the entire time. So. But Spidey senses what ends up saving him in the end. Exactly. So well, a little bit of rage, right? Because he threatens to kill MJ. Right. And then so it's a little bit of rage, and then Spidey senses what ends up giving him the edge. Mm-hmm. So for the for those reasons, it's my favorite scene. Which I mean. When you consider the quote-unquote strength of Spider-Man, because that's after Civil War that became a, a really big thing, how strong Spider-Man really is. Cause he's he just, really fucking strong. Because he's super fucking strong. He punched the Hulk into outer space. He, he punched the Hulk into... He also, I mean, on a much lower scale, he just, like, caught Bucky's metal arm and just, like, twisted around like it was, like, nothing. That's the scene that everybody talks about in Civil War. Like, he's crazy strong, and he was getting this shit kicked in. How strong is the Green Goblin? Like, that's wildly, wildly powerful. I think they kind of powered him down in this. Yes. Plus, I feel like it's... Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah. And Not Goblin. In, in most origin stories, they don't know their... Their full potential. Right. True. That's actually a good point. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. My favorite part of this movie... I, <laughs> I kind of like the fight with Flash... Okay. I, I just, I, you know, the we usually don't get to see Peter Parker actually stand up for himself and kind of come out on top, and we did in this, so that was kind of cool. You know, he doesn't even know what's going on with his body right now. He just knows that he can move his head this way, and a punch misses him, and, you know, there's that one moment where, like, slow motion, he moves away, and he looks up and back and up and back, like, four times, because his senses are dialed up to 11 now. And then he hits him once and he flies across. And it's just... It was a nice moment for yeah. Peter. For the Peter Parker of it all. It yes. was a nice moment. I think that was a, a nice moment. Which is why, I don't know, Uncle Ben kind of annoys me after the fact by saying, like, fighting's no good. And I didn't start the fight. Yeah, but you sure did finish it. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. you. Fi- of course I finished <laughs> it. Are you kidding me? I'm getting picked on. I stood up for myself. Like, deal. Uh, unfortunately, like... We make this big deal about bullying in schools nowadays. Well, sometimes what needs to fucking happen is a bully needs to get his shit kicked in. Like, and that's... That's how it works. But he didn't listen to Uncle Ben, and that's why Spider-Man 3 happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uncle Ben knew all along <laughs> that he'd become this weird bully person. <laughs> <laughs> Least favorite? Least favorite. 
My least favorite I'll go first. Sure. It's the Uncle Ben death scene. Just because Toby Maguire is an awful yeah, crier. He's, he's, he's bad at it. You can't see it, but Corey's doing a spot-on impersonation of what his face looks like when he cries. <laughs> it was bad. It was real bad. It's painful. It's literally the worst way I could possibly conceive of crying, and that was the face I made. Uh, my least favorite scene is the uh, Thanksgiving scene. I have yeah, go major, major problems with the Thanksgiving scene. So, they get into a fight in the fire, with the fire, right? Like, in the, in the building that's burning. Yep. They both go their separate ways. He shows up dressed with the fruitcake. Peter shows up and, like, sneaks in through the through the window to get changed. Drop of blood. And by the end of the scene, we know that Norman Osborn knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yes? Yes. Shortly thereafter, everybody that matters to Peter Parker starts getting abducted or sent to the hospital or hurt in fundamental ways except for Harry Osborne. How does he not put... How does his fucking genius not put two and two together that Norman Osborne is the Green Goblin? Also, Norman Osborne starts acting really weird yeah, and leaves super- Thanksgiving right after he finds the wound on his arm. Yeah, exactly. There's He's just, not great at deducting things. It was, and, it, and it just... like Not even... I don't even think power of deduction is a thing. Just sheer common fucking sense would be like, even if he doesn't think it's Norman Osborn, at the very least, he has to assume that Norman knows who the Green Goblin is. So I have a huge problem with the way that the plot moves right there. Up to that point, I think plot is fine. Thanksgiving scene, it all goes to shit, and I'm like, should have figured it out. Between Aunt May and Mary Jane being attacked by the Green Goblin, he should have confronted him and been like, you know who I am, I know who you are, back the fuck up. I, I just... But he really didn't know until he saw him on the rooftop. Because he's a fucking idiot. See, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a problem with that scene, but you're 100% right with the yeah. aftermath of it. And that's my thing, and it's because that scene is is the culmination of this plot discrepancy that that's where my... It, it's where I have to, like, lay it down. See, I think that scene is almost... is actually kind of well done, considering, like, the uncomfortable nature of it. Like... Yeah. I think you're supposed to feel uncomfortable, and I, as an audience member, did. Okay, fair enough. I, I Again, I don't think it's shot poorly. I don't think it's shot incorrectly. I think that the things that happen because of it are problematic. They make Peter kind of an idiot in that scene, yes. and it's out of character. It is out of character. A very smart, yeah. scientific mind. I don't think they do that great of a job at um, promoting his uh, intelligence. No. They don't. They do in the second one. Because the, se- the second one is with that... Um, Arc react? No, no, it's not That's an arc totally react. Yes, <laughs> the uh, the fusion. What is it? Yeah, it's fusion, fusion something. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Least favorite scene. The crying scene is really rough. Is that my least favorite though? Probably. Yeah, it's just nice. like, I can picture it in my head, and it's just like it's bad every time. Oh yeah, it doesn't get better. I'll tell you that. I don't like the fact that he murders the guy afterwards. He, that he guy committed suicide. Did he? No, it was an accident. Yeah, yeah but still. But he, tri- but it's not like he hit the thing and he fell. He hit yeah, the pipe he, he or whatever. He, he breaks. He window. like he essentially breaks his arm to get the gun out of his hand, and the guy stumbles back, trips over a pipe, and falls. True, and it wasn't like intent. So it's not like, like he pushed him out know. of the window. If someone saw it, he'd be tried for it. What do you think? Well, they like, did. They, they show this trying to searchlight, and he's in there, and they're like, gets away because he's. But like, if someone was in the room and saw it happen, yeah, they would have assumed it was. Murder. Yeah. yeah. That whole it, aspect of it is just... It was very... It, it felt very Batman to me, where, like, 
early Batman, once he becomes Batman, his big thing is revenge and how revenge doesn't fulfill your soul. It actually makes you worse. And that's why every time he takes a Robin on, it's like, no, Robin, we don't do revenge jobs. And then Robin does a revenge job and can't get out. That's how you get broken, like Papa Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it just perpetuates the cycle forever and ever and ever. I also really hate the funeral scene. The one at the end? Yes. I can't stand it. I don't see the point. I don't see the point of him saying no. I still, to this day, do not understand why he says no there. Especially because, I think at the start of the next movie, they're already together. Are they not? They get together off screen? No, they don't. They're not together. She's dating the astronaut, right? Yeah. Oh, She's engaged to the spaceman. Okay. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) 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 All right, well played. Okay, yeah. That's right, that's right. Still, why? Why does he say no in that scenario? Why? I don't know, is it the whole crap like, oh, my enemies are going to use you against me? That's what he says in the the exposition. That's closing monologue. And then she kisses him and finds out, realizes that he's Spider-Man because she's a way better detective than he is. (laughs) I've kissed those lips before. You're (laughs) Spider-Man. You saved me. Are you guys a fan of closing monologues? I, I, I usually am. I think it's they a, have their moments. Yeah, it's a monologue-by-monologue monologue basis for me, but I don't not think, so much anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's one... The other one that comes to mind is uh, there's one in Iron Man 3 that doesn't work for me either. This one doesn't really work for me. I don't remember the Iron Man 3 one, but that's fine. That's for another day. Well, what I mean, yeah, I are you saying mo- like closing monologues in general or comic book the ones that we have in comic book movies where you see the character either walking or doing something what are you talking about the voiceover effect as a a, don't and as a general noir movies it's great noir movies breakfast club noir movies breakfast club's closing is brilliant with it alright so for comic books yeah I don't probably not I love Benicio's line at the end of breakfast club was yeah sincerely yours the breakfast club (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. He said sorry, they kept going. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop what you start. It's like Pringles. That was, good. that was a good Pringles reference. They just fist bump. That's, that's what I was about to say, and then Corey said. <laughs> so what we're going to do now is give Spider-Man... A rating of Infinity Stones from 1 to 6. 1 is the low end, 6 is the high end. If we if we give it 6 stones, we can also give it an Infinity Gauntlet, which is the highest possible score. And that's how that works, so we're going to rate it now. And Corey, you get to go first. I do. Um, movie's fine. It, it is, if nothing else, overcoming its flaws and its problems. The start of what has been a brilliant almost two decades of comic book movies. I, I don't really feel much of a need to watch this again, but it is... It's still... The movie's fine. Uh, I'm giving it three stones. Sigma, so, what do you think? I'm going to give it three stones as well. The next time I probably watch this is if I want to show a youngster how modern-day superhero movies started. So, um... Yeah, I'm just... I'm not going to put this on again just for... Just because, even though I own it on Xbox. Like... <laughs> The closest, the closest thing you I can think of is... You a good platform? Mm. You bought it on a console? I did. closest thing I could think of that I might have a reason to watch this again is if it's on, like, during a holiday when everybody's, like, hanging out, just talking, and I don't feel like talking to anybody, I'm just flipping I hope it's Thanksgiving, and the Thanksgiving scene comes on. I feel like it would be Thanksgiving. That's the funny thing. 
Anyway, Joe, three stones. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I said lots of things about this movie in the beginning that kind of, I guess, sort of give away how I feel about this movie. This movie is still fun. I'm going to end up giving this movie the same score I gave Spider-Man 2, which is four stones. I think Spider-Man 2 is probably a little bit more successful at telling the kind of story it set out to tell. But this movie is much more enjoyable for me to watch. I don't like rewatching Spider-Man 2. I will happily rewatch this in six months to a year if I feel like it. I don't need like a special occasion. I'm just like, I want to watch Spider-Man. Because I had a good time watching this again and revisiting it. Those are our ratings for Spider-Man. What we're going to do now is, since we have reviewed on this podcast all three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, we're going to rank the trilogy from best to worst in our own opinions, and then we're also going to be doing Thor after this because we never got to last time, but I think Thor is going to be all the same. This one, I think we're going to differ. Three should be the same, right? Yeah. Matt, one's gonna do I mean, one Matt and Frank one. never sent me there, so I'm going to say Spider-Man 3 is their favorite. <laughs> Fucking idiots. It's on record now. <laughs> Mr. Urkham, yell at them. <laughs> do it. Do you want to do our bet, or just how we did Cap, where we just blurt it out? Like we should just probably blurt it out. Alright, for me, 2-1-3. That's what I thought. Corey? 2-1-3. I'm 1-2-3. I figured. Yeah. I, I can see 1-2-3. I can honestly see myself in six months... Watching Spider-Man two again and switching and being like, no, nah, one, two, three, it could go either way. Uh, but right now, based off of gut reaction of what I can remember from two, it's two, one, three for me. That's fair. Oh, um, I have thoughts from Frank. I should hey also share. He, he didn't. didn't he didn't give us the ranking of the Spider-Man movies. I'm gonna assume his is either one, two, three or two, one, three. Frank writes. Hello there, brethren. I have some thoughts about I have some thoughts about Spider-Man. I actually don't hate this movie. It's probably my favorite of the Toby trilogy. So I'm gonna say Frank's one, two, three. It's got it. <laughs> now it is one, two, three, buddies. Uh, I can watch this any day and be entertained. Wow. Willem Dafoe does a fantastic job as Norman Osborn, minus the Goleming in the mirror. I don't hate Toby. In fact, I think this is his better movie in terms of being Peter. The Goblin suit is balls, though. Compared to the the Amazing Spider-Man two, it's no better. So I'm not mad. Kirsten Dunst's scream from the balcony equals stage four testicular cancer. Wow. But other than that, solid origin, villain, and character development. I'm I'm comfortable giving this four stones. Wow. Love you guys. Shocking. Frank. Thanks, okay. Frank. So yeah, we're gonna put you one, two, three, and Matt, who knows? For the bonus ranking hey. of Thor. Is there anyone here who doesn't think it's three one two for the order of Thor movies from best tours? Gotta be three one two, right? It has. Yeah, it's gotta be Ragnarok original, and then Dark World's the worst one. I mean, I haven't listened to our Dark World episode. I'm very curious because I fucking hate that movie. Yeah, yeah, we did not love it. We, we did not. Yeah, we did not enjoy that movie very Malekith. much. <laughs> so fucking bad. I fucking right, love him as an actor. Let's though. wrap this up. Before yeah, we... sorry. Then we can talk about that all we want. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely <laughs> Ragnarok, original Dark World. Has, it has to be. I have something else I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you want to leave it in or not, You're but right. for all the Spider-Man movies that we have, ranking the villains, because the villain in one and two for Toby's trilogy really strong. Oh, they're good villains. And then three is is, is yeah, god awful. Well, but, I don't I don't think two is a strong villain. I don't, I I don't like Doc Ock. Da- you don't like Doc Ock in general? You don't like that I Doc I don't like Ock. that Doc Ock. I okay. Dane 2. It's not good. Okay. I think Alfred Molina does a great job with it, though. He does a good job acting in that movie, sure, but his character is not written well. 
I don't know. I well, I think we disagreed with it. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna continue to disagree forever, so we don't need to keep doing this. But for like the, the Amazing Spider-Man villains, they're terrible. Right? Well, we haven't covered two. I haven't seen it since the theater, and but you know, it's weird. It seems to be that Spider-Man can they're, they're managing to pull out good villains in Spider-Man movies. Well, because Vulture's awesome. Vulture's great. Well, yeah, Vulture's I, good. Goblins. The first Goblin we get is good. The second one is not so great. But not right. terrible. Like. Cool. So those are our thoughts on Spider-Man and some bonus thoughts on Thor movies. What you can do now is send us your thoughts about Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1, the whole trilogy, what you thought about. Let us know what you think about us as people and movie people. I don't know. <laughs> but all the ways you can do that, the first way is by sending an email to zthpodcast at gmail.com. I've already plugged that like twice. You can find us on Twitter at zthpodcast. If you have your own Spidey suit at home, Put it on. Send us a picture on Instagram at ZTH Podcast. Keep your camera or your phone at penis level. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that would have been a better one. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with it. It's awkward if it's a woman taking that picture. Yeah, it's fine. Penis level doesn't mean... I know. <laughs> anyway, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash ZTH Podcast or search for us in Facebook. Zeros Talking Heroes. Zeros and Heroes end in E-S. And it's not social media, but go on iTunes if that's how you listen to us and give us a five-star rating. Bump us up in that iTunes. Get more people exposed to the show. And if you don't want to do that, just tell people about the show. Zero's Talking Heroes and name it to them. Let them know how cool it is and how cool we are. And also, if you are on iTunes and give us that five-star rating and want to give us a review, that would be cool, too. We'll read it on the air, just like an email, except it's shorter. And if you want, in that review, let us know your rankings of the Captain America, Spider-Man, or Thor trilogy. Anything you want. That's your space to go crazy with. Get wild with it. So thanks for tuning in to Zero's Talking Heroes. Next time, we're going to be doing a new release movie. It's the sequel to Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim Uprising. Aw, yes. i got to watch the first one. That's so good. So tune into that if you're a fan, or if you're not a fan, and find out what we thought about it anyway. And until next time, it's my job to tell you that every movie out there, the original Spider-Man included, is someone's favorite movie.